Today, I'm going to share an interview that I did with Tony Robbins about the coming financial trends and cycles that I think are going to affect all of us, most likely in the next few months. I know you're looking for ways to get ahead, to stay ahead, and not get left behind as we go through the massive changes in our world today economically. In this interview, I asked Tony about his predictions for the market, how he thinks the Trump administration is going to affect the financial and business markets, who he thinks the bad guys are in the financial world that are ripping us all off, and some interesting stories about money and happiness, including his perspectives on a whole bunch of miserable billionaires and the advice that he gives them. Now, there's a ton more, but here are a couple of highlights that you can expect. Can I talk to you? Howard Marks, who's a very famous investor, manages $100 billion. We've had one correction on average every single year for 116 years. But why should we be surprised when the market drops? But if you're a millennial and you've got tons of debt from college and you think you'll never be free, you can leapfrog from being in debt to being wealthy. Like you're a brilliant businessman, you've done incredibly well, but shit happens. I'm curious what your perspective is on the Trump presidency. Yes, the, the president's style is certainly not what I would support. You know the old adage, the person experience will end up with your money, you'll end up with the experience, right? All right, brother, I hope I see you in New York. Your family today. All right, before we begin the interview, let me explain two reasons I'm sharing this with you in the first place. Now, first off, Tony is releasing and has released a brand new book. It's called Unshakable, Your Financial Freedom Playbook. Now, I just finished reading it, and if you want to retire rich and wealthy, protect yourself, your family, your income, savings and investments, or start investing, it's outstanding, and I think it's relevant to anyone. And beside the information that we're going to share in this interview, Tony has some great gifts for you that he'll give you if you choose to order the book, including his personal coaching program and a $299 program. It's called The Ultimate Edge for free. Now, the link to get the book is at www.unshakable.com, and that's U-N-S-H-A-K-A-B-L-E.com. All right. Now, whether you choose to get the book or not, Tony's also agreed to give away a pair of tickets to an upcoming Unleash the Power Within, or what he calls the UPW event. And the way we're going to give those away is I'm going to randomly pick someone at the end of this month who will receive them. So all you have to do to qualify is like, comment, and share a link to this post. So if you do that right now, we'll get the show on the road. Now, to also give you a bit of context as to how I connected with Tony in the first place, I'm going to very briefly tell you my story. It was 1996, and in fact, fall of 1996, I was living in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota to be specific, and Tony completely changed my life. I was $250,000 in debt, I was overweight, recently divorced, and I was buying groceries on my Super America gas card in St. Paul. Now, what happened, and I'll save you the basic details or all the, the extended details, but I bought Personal Power 2 on an infomercial. I had it rush delivered. I listened to 15 minutes of recording number one, and I called his office to sign up for all of his events on a brand new credit card that I had just received that night. Now, two weeks later, I was at an event in Hawaii with 3,000 people jumping up and down, hugging and screaming. 
And to me, back in Minnesota, that meant something different, okay? But I was horrified. But And part of that was because I was there to get fixed. My left brain was all active, and I wanted Tony Robbins to be the magician that he is. But once I got over the shock, I got into what Tony calls state. I actually got into the entire event. I jumped up and down, and I hugged people like everyone else. But I designed my life on a single piece of paper. And less than a year later, I was in love. And I had turned my business situation around. I was no longer in debt. And my business was in the process of being purchased by a publicly traded company called IPG. Now, I owe my business and financial success today to Tony's trainings, his products, and the events that I've attended. So at the end of the interview, I'll tell you the rest of the story and how I wound up meeting Tony in person 10 years later. I helped him set up his studio, and I gave him and his team marketing advice, and I also introduced him to Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, Brendan Burchard, Mike Vilsame, Russell Brunson, and a whole bunch of other online marketing legends, and also getting the opportunity to work with him on several products. So without further ado, here is that interview with Tony Robbins. Enjoy. Tony, so let's begin with the basics. So the last book, which is Money Master the Game, you interviewed 50 of the most successful financial people in the world, and you compiled what I think is uh, several millennia worth of investing wisdom in one place. That book became a New York Times number one bestseller, but what makes your new book, Unshakable, different? Well, you know, I, I took five years on that book, and the first thing that's different is that's 764 pages. <laughs> and it's that's crazy. So you can read this one in four or five hours or a weekend and have a playbook to take you from where you are to where you want to be financially. But what really made me want to do this is I was interviewing the past Fed chair, uh, Alan Greenspan, who was the most powerful man in finance for 19 years under four different U.S. presidents. And I was digging, and we're talking about negative interest rates the first time in 5,000 years that you give the bank your money and they charge you instead of giving you money. And we're talking about all the different craziness in the market, what Fed's are doing. And after about three hours privately and then two hours on stage, my last question to him was, look, with all we've talked about, you're one of the smartest guys in the history of finance. Tell me, if you were the head of the Fed today, they made you back there, what's the first thing you do? And he had this long pause, and he leaned into me, the whole audience leaned in, and he said, resign. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, if the smartest guy in that area, and then I talked to you, Howard Marks, who is a very famous investor, he manages $100 billion. And he said, Tony, if you're not confused by what's going on, you know what's going on. So I decided, look, we're in an eighth year now, starts in about a week, of, our, of this bull market. And, you know, the average bull market lasts five years. This is the second largest bull market in history, meaning continuous upward growth overall, right, trend. And what's crazy is everyone knows it's going to crash. Everybody's got anxiety. There's all this volatility out there. You know, but, you know, meanwhile, there are people who have been waiting since 2008 saying the market's overvalued, it's going to crash, and it's up 250%. Since Trump was elected, whether you hate him or like him, it doesn't really matter. The market's up 14% since November. So what people have to understand is I want to not only protect you, but I want to show you how to take advantage of the greatest economic opportunity in your lifetime. I tell people, look, I'm donating 100% of the profits of this book, just like my last book. We're going to feed another 100 million people. I've had 200 million people in the last two years. You get to get this for you and for them, but you can't afford not to pick up this book and read this quick little book because it'll show you what to do to win from the best on the face of the earth. And here's, here, let me give you an example. Why do 
of people invest. They invest because they say they have no money because they've never made the discipline of taking some percentage, setting it aside, and saying, I'm going to be an owner, not just a consumer. And that little amount compounds over time and gets them where they really want to go. But the reason they don't get on the market, I've seen this happen, especially with millennials right now, are really hurting because they're behind. The, they're behind. They're behind because they got debt from college. They're behind. They're not investing because they don't trust the markets. But here's how you get over the fear and get to the reality. Let's talk about two things, two things everyone's afraid of, corrections and crashes. So a correction, so everybody understands what I'm talking about, is any time the market drops 10% from its peak up to 20 Uh and a crash is whenever the market drops 20% or more, and it can go up as much as 70 or 80% historically in terms of a drop. So let's look at a correction. How often should a correction happen? Well, most people lose money because a correction happens and they sell. You know, one of the great investors that I talked to, Warren Buffett, said the market never took a dime from anybody. He said, you took it from yourself. You sold when you should have hung on, and that's what most people do. So how often do we have a correction to deal with? Since 1900, check this out, Mike. We've had one correction on average every single year for 115 years. But why should we be surprised when the market drops 10 to 14%? The average drop is 14% and it lasts just under two months. It happens every year. It's like saying, it's raining. Oh my God, it's winter. Well, some winters are short, some are long, but there's one every year. They usually last two or three months in a financial market. It's on average, you know, 56 days. And if you don't sell, you're fine because it bounces back. I mean, last January, we have the worst opening of the stock market in its January history, the history of the stock market. It was down 9% in a few weeks. And you know, everybody's freaking out. The market dropped, like, I think it was 900 points in a day. And they all, the wealthiest people in the world, you know, were in Davos, Switzerland. So they went to CNBC on television. Everybody's freaking, is this the end times? Are we going for the crash? Is this the end? And they brought on Ray Dalio, one of the guys I interviewed, the smartest financial guy I think in the world, manages 160 billion dollars in assets. You have to have a five billion dollar net worth and a hundred million to give him or he doesn't talk to you. And quite frankly, that was 10 years ago. Now you won't make your money no matter how rich you are. But they interviewed him and said, what do we do, Ray? You're the smartest guy in the world. And he said, read Tony Robbins' book. I taught him my technique that's been right 85% of the time for 75 years. It's averaged a 10% return. And when it failed, it dropped 1.6%. So I tell you the story because he was up 2%. The market's down nine. That's part of what I teach. But the big thing you got to know is there's a correction every year. So if you sell, you're crazy, you're an idiot, of course you're never going to want to be in the stock market. Now, 80% of those corrections, 80% of them, never become a bear market, never crash. Right? They bounce back. So what about when it does become a bear? How often? Every five years, like clockwork, we're behind right now. That's why everybody's preparing, saying there's going to be a correction at some point. In a year, two years, three years, nobody knows. But here's what you got to know. Those corrections come, the crashes then come. The average crash lasts a year, not terribly exciting. You're down 33% is the average. Some go 40% or more, to give you an idea. It's not an easy thing to deal with, but it is the greatest. Please hear me. I hope your listeners will listen to me right now. It is the greatest economic opportunity of your lifetime when these occur. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but if you're a millennial and you've got tons of debt from college and you think you'll never be free, this is probably one of those rare opportunities in your life where you can leapfrog from being in debt to being wealthy. Or if you're a baby boomer and you never got started and you think it's too late, this is your chance to do it because it's weird. You know, if I told you that the stock market dropped 50%, people, people freak out. But if I told you your favorite car is a Ferrari and Ferraris are on sale for 50% off, you'd be out of your mind. 
right? Well, if you can get Apple, Google, Alphabet, you know, same thing, uh, you know, Microsoft, you can buy these things for dimes, pennies on the dollar, then this is the greatest gift of your life because every single bear market in two centuries of American history has always been followed by a bull with no exception. Every member of 2008, market dropped by 34, 35%. You know, from peak to profit was 50% recently. But the market jumped immediately in the next 12 months. In 2009, to 69% it went up. So you're, you're, you're down, you know, 35, 45, 50, whatever your real number, if you weren't diversified, you diversified, you went down that much. But the next year, you're up there 69%. So people need to understand that if you can educate yourself, which you can do in four hours this tiny little book, the stuff that scares you, you will know more than the 1% knows because most of the 1% doesn't know this. I'll give you one more. People go, well, what about timing? Right? You're like, you know, right now, the markets, you said, the markets have been going a long time. You know, oh, my God, you know, I get in there, I'll lose. Really interesting study. Three things on that. Number one, nobody, nobody knows how the markets are really going to do, including all those forecasters. Warren Buffett told me all those financial forecasters, those market forecasters, are only alive so they can make fortune tellers look good. Because nobody, I can't predict the market, they can't predict the market. It's totally, completely absurd. But you can still align with the market, and you can still succeed with the market. And so for these types of guys, the real thing that I found out is, check this out. In the last 20 years, J.P. Morgan and Charles Schwab independently did a study. And here was the question. What about timing? Okay, what happens to somebody who gets in the market? We all know we should be in the market because no investment has brought a bigger return than stocks. But they also have the highest volatility. So that's where the challenge is. So here's what they found out. In 20 years, the S&P 500 has delivered a compounded annual return of 8.2%, which means you double your money every nine years. You can get rich real quick doing that. It's phenomenal. And you don't do anything. You check on your, your index fund, let's say, you know, or your small investment, or whatever investment you have, let's say, once a year to rebalance. Once you learn this, it takes 15 minutes a year. So what do we got now? Well, in 20 years, 8.2. But what if you try to time the market? They decided to investigate that. They said if you miss the, the biggest 10 trading days, which no one knows when they're going to happen, in 20 years, what would the impact be? You know what they found out? Instead of getting 8.2%, your return was cut in half to 4.5. If you miss the top 20 days, your return drops to 2%. If you miss the top 30 days, you lost money. Now, what are the chances, I mean, really, Mike, of you and I, who have full-time careers, jobs, children, family, impact, businesses, what are the chances of us picking, the, you know, the 10, 20, or 30 best trading days of being there? And here's the rude weird thing. Six of the 10 biggest trading days in the last 20 years happened within two weeks of the worst day. So when Donald Trump, you know, the election night, and no one thought he's going to win, and the market dropped 900 points, I called my broker immediately and loaded up because I knew it, it was just expectation. And when they adjust, the market will return. Well, the market always returned at about 14% in three months. I mean, it's just truly crazy. So timing the market, if you swap did a study, they found, they found somebody who said, let's pretend somebody got on the market on the best day of the year, the lowest price point of the year, the market crashed, and they bought then, versus somebody who bought at the worst day of the year, the peak of the market, versus somebody that, you know, uh, did dollar cost averaging. Just every month, they spent the same amount of money, and so it averages out. Some stocks are high, some are small, or somebody who put their money in cash. Well, the person made the most money was the perfect timing. The person who made the least money was the person in cash by almost 50% less money. But the difference between the worst day investing, when you got on the peak of the market and it crashed the next day, 
versus the Bat Bay was only $14,000 after 20 years. So you got to give the market. The biggest mistake you can make is not be in the market. Now, I'm not telling put everybody just in the stock market. You need a diversified portfolio. We explain that in the book. But it's not that complex. You want to set it up. You want to ideally maybe get a financial planner that is a fiduciary, somebody that just looks out for your interest. They're legally required to do so. They cost less than 1%. And you've got something that it's like having a second business on the side. You know, like you're a brilliant business man. You've done incredibly well. But shit happens, as you know. You get ill. You've been through that experience. Or you find yourself in a position where, you know, things change. There's new competition. There's new technology. disruption. Everyone should have a second business with no employee. It takes them 15 minutes a year. That's what Unshakable will deliver for anybody who wants to read it next. Wow. Well, you answered a ton of ton of questions in there, that's for sure. I mean, really the bottom line, what it sounds like, is it's sort of like just get in the game and uh, and stay in the game. But Don't just get in the game. You've got to educate yourself because right. the biggest screw-up to your financial wealth is unfortunately people with experience who you give your money to because you know the old adage, the person with experience will end up with your money and you'll end up with experience, right? The fees right. that are out there, we ought to touch base on the fees. The, the fees will literally destroy your financial well-being if you're not aware of them and if you don't know how to count them. Yeah, that's actually what my next question was, but I have one to stick in here in between it, and sure. that is I'm it. curious what your perspective is on the Trump presidency and how his administration, policies, behavior may affect either the national or the world economy? Well, uh, if you look at how it's affecting the American economy, uh, you know, investors, Warren Buffett, you know, I got Peter, you know, Warren Buffett did not vote for a president. Nah, he voted, voted for Clinton. But as he said, you don't let, he said half the time who I voted for president wasn't president. So half the time, it's not the person I want. But, you know, that's part of life. You don't say, I'm going to move to Canada. You don't put all your money in cash. You don't live, dig a hole and say the world's coming to an end. I'll give you my perspective. You know, I interviewed uh, uh, President Clinton last weekend, and a couple months ago, I had George W. Bush on. And we had a really cool private conversation in which he told me what he feels, because he never criticized Obama as president. His whole thing was, it's his turn. I really respected that. But when I said, come on, just shoot me straight, how do you feel about, you know, the new president coming in? He said, you know, I really want, obviously, my brother, I wanted him to be president. I thought he'd do a good job, but he didn't campaign well enough. He said, but you know what, this whole idea of the world's coming to an end, he said, Tony, when Nixon was impeached, I said, he destroyed the presidency, he's destroyed our country, he said, I knew it was over. He said, I was so wrong. He said, you know what I've come to realize, he was being president? He said, the office is bigger than the occupant. I don't give a damn who's in that office. There's three branches of government. You can only screw so much up because that's what our checks and balancing system does. You see it even happening right now with a travel ban and a variety of other things, right? That's, you can't just use your president. You can sign a bunch of orders. Obama did the same thing, but they don't last. They'll sign some new orders. The way you get it done is by using all the branches of the government. The legislation and the judicial system align with you. So I think that people are overreacting. I think, you know, uh, I don't care who you are. This person is still our president, and pushing against him is not going to make America stronger in any way, shape, or form. Forget America great again. Just your family being taken care of. I think we all have a responsibility to not see it worse than it is. If you're a leader, you see it as it is, but not worse than it is. And, you know, people that are always looking for an excuse for their life isn't working well look for something outside themselves to blame. So see it as it is, not worse than it is, so you don't have to try. 
see it better than it is or you have no vision. You're not a leader unless you can see something better than it is. And the third step is make it the way you see it. And what I really think is that each of us individually need to focus on what we can do. And, yes, the, the president's style is certainly not what I would support, but his style is even getting in the way of his substance. Much of, of the upset is the way he communicates. But many of the issues he actually, a lot of people would agree with, but when you communicate them by calling people idiots, when you communicate them by, you know, saying, you know, it's Muslims as opposed to screening for terrorists, then you're going to have a tremendous upset in a country that most of us are very proud of as a country that's a Muslim. Good. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair enough. Well, let's get into the real bad guys, because which you alluded to, which are uh, in the book, uh, really the, 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 the second part of your book is dedicated to all the gotchas and the fees and how yes. financial management is just set up to basically get us. And also uh, the rules, you really get into uh, the distinction between uh, how financial advisors um, are categorized. And can you explain yeah. a little bit about that and the language patterns that you look for in the marketing or how things are communicated and what you basically want and what you don't want? Here's what I, here's the purpose of this book. Protect you and make you win. So to protect you, I gotta educate you at, at some of these little things that they use language patterns that you don't understand so that you give up and say, I manage my money. So let's talk about it. There's 310,000 financial professionals in the United States. Now, of those 310,000, there are 200 different names for them according to Wall Street Journal. Everything from wealth manager, wealth advisor to financial advisor, you name it. Uh, 90% of them are brokers, meaning out of 310,000, there's only 31,000 people that are known as fiduciaries. Let me explain. A broker is a good human being, but they work for the house. They've been trained by the house. They might even own the house's products, but the house always wins, meaning these big wirehouses, these big brokerage firms, uh, if, it, if they've got their name on a stadium, that's a clue, right? There's a reason they have that much profitability, and the reason is they're not mean, horrible organizations. Once again, they're companies that are looking to do what they're designed for, which is maximize profit. The problem is, how do you maximize profit when business isn't growing that much? You've got to get more fees. And how do you get more fees? Make sure that people don't know they're there. They're in the fine print. So this book gets rid of all the fine print. No fine print. You know exactly what to do. And so you know how to change things. And how important are fees? A lot of people... Say, well, gosh, you know, what's the big difference? 1%, 2%, 3%. Oh, my God. Fees matter, and they will determine whether or not you're financially free or not at some stage in your life. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're 35 years old. Let's say you worked your ass off, you saved 100 grand, you put it in the market. Over the last 30 years, the market's averaged 10.25%. But in the last 20, it's averaged 8.2%. So let's take the lower number. Let's say you get 8% for 30 years. And at the end of that time, if you paid 1% in fees, you have $762,000. Not bad since you had no other money, from 100 to gross to 762. But if you paid 3% in fees, which is the average, when you ask people, what do you pay in fees? Most of them don't know, and if they do, they say 1%, because that's called the expense ratio. But there are 17 other fees in that 35, 50-page document that you may not see. So if you paid 3% in fees, you got $432,000. Literally, the person who paid 1% in fees has 60% more money, and the person who had 3% in fees is going to run on money at 79. The person who had 1% in fees is going to have money through 93 years old. So 
fees matter. In fact, every 1%, you got to pay, right? So most places, it's 1% or less, the best organization, but that's the real number. That's all in. But if you pay 2% or 3%, well, every 1% above the first 1% you pay that you're overpaying costs you a decade of income and retirement because of compounding. So you literally, if you're paying 3%, you've lost 20 years of income, and I could get you the same stock, the same equity, at a 1% fee, and all that money would be yours instead of going in the broker's pocket. So you've got to know what you're doing. But it gets, I'm sorry, a little bit more complex. So there's brokers. There's this thing called a fiduciary. A fiduciary is like a dietitian. If you went to, like, a, if you go to a, a meat market, if you go into a butcher shop and say, hey, what do you got for me this weekend? All they sell is meat. Right? So the guy doesn't look at your house. He sells what it is that his company sells. And he probably believes in it. He probably eats it. He'll tell you about the roast pork chops or roast rib or whatever the hell is. I don't eat meat, obviously. You've got my description. But on the other hand, if you went to a dietitian, they'd say, whoa, 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 buddy. you got to stop eating all that meat. You're going to get cancer. You're going to get a heart attack. Look, let's get some salad here. Let's trade the meat out for some fish. Here's what we're going to do. And you're only paying them for their advice. They're not making money off the meat. What happens when you go to a broker is, they sell you what they're taught to sell you because they make the most money on it. Now, 10% of those 310,000 are registered investment advisors. I know it's big words, and a bigger word is the F word. You should learn it. Fiduciary. <laughs> what does it mean? It means the person who's fiduciary has to put your needs ahead of their own. Your lawyer has a fiduciary law. They have to do. They have to look out for your best interest. They can't charge you, make you do things that are in their best interest over yours. Same thing is true with your doctors. Same thing is true for financial professionals in Australia, in England, all over the world. We're one of the few places where people aren't fiduciaries, and there's been this, you know, push to make people use fiduciaries in the 401k space. It's one of the most abusive spaces, but that looks like it's going to get turned over by Trump. So here's what I found out, though. These REAs, again, I'm sorry for the language, but you got to know. Once you know the words, you'll understand what they mean. These independent advisors that are not brokers and are not selling you their product, I said to you there's only 10% of them, 31,000. I was wrong. There's a gray area in the law that I found out in this new book. It's crazy. What happens is, of those 31,000, 26,000 are duly registered, which means they tell you you're only paying me a fee. I'm not selling you any products. I don't make any money off of you other than my fee for my advice. I don't get a commission. But of the 31,000, 26,000 also have a broker's license. So in the middle of a conversation, they switch apps and they sell you their products, which are inferior, but have super high fees and will cost you a decade or two. So when I heard that, I kicked everyone off my platform and I decided to partner with the number one rated firm in the United States called Creative Planning. My partner is Peter Maluk. He's my co-author in the book. And Peter's the one who taught me this. I couldn't believe it. These guys are saying they're fiduciaries and playing on, you know, on the side, cheating you. So I kicked him off the platform. We became partners. I'm on his board now. And, you know, he started out with $500 million in assets he built to. But in 2008, when all hell was breaking loose, his company grew to $2 billion in assets. He had no advertising. It was just because he showed people during the crash. He warned them it was coming. He said, I don't know the timing, but here's what's going to happen. And he told them what they're going to do to make money out of it. He made so much money for his clients. He went to $2 billion. Now he's $23 billion in assets. And he's the number one rated guy for CNBC two years in a row, number one wealth advisor for Barron's three years in a row, which no one's done. And this year, Forbes put out their first list and he's number one. So he's my partner. So if you go to work with them, you know, if you buy this book, you know, 100% of the profits go to these people. If you go work with them, I get a benefit because I'm part of the firm. So you know that. So I disclose that. 
but right now they're doing it for that reason, obviously. But I think if you want to get a second opinion from the number one firm, people should go to getasecondopinion.com. That's getasecondopinion.com. And for free, they'll lay out a plan or evaluate what you have. If you decide to become a client, they charge less than 1%. It goes all the way down to 0.25 in that range. Um, but it's 8.85 of the average, less than a percent. Or you can just take it and implement on your own, and he's willing to do it. In fact, I convinced him to do what he does for billionaires and millionaires to develop a division that would do this for people with as little as $50,000. So anyone who wants to check it out, he's an option doing it. The book will educate you what to do as well. You can also do it on your own. Yeah, I love that. That's um, um, as I look through this, just purely, you know, from a, a content perspective. I love how you guys, you know, integrated and um, clearly the the narrative here, the voice is yours. But um, you know, yeah. you and I and I've talked many times before, and you've always been pretty forward that you don't like writing books. But you found a guy who uh, really uh, was able to maintain your voice throughout and add so much well, value. Actually, to actually, Peter, actually, actually, Peter, I wrote it. Peter didn't do that because I'm such a damn oh, pretentious. I was driving him. Yeah, but I oh. brought him in to write the. I brought him in to write the chapter on 2008 and on the bear because he successfully navigated and made a fortune for his clients. And so I figured I didn't. You know, I did well in 2008, but I wasn't the financial planner. He did that with yeah. millions of dollars. So I had him write that chapter, and quite frankly, I helped write it because. You know, my clients are used to my voice, right? So I put right, my right, voice exactly. into it. But I think, but I think, as you read it, you can tell me. Uh, I yeah, wish I could totally. get somebody leverage. I like writing books about as much as you know, pulling my eyelashes out. You know, yeah. but I wrote this purely because a crash is coming, and if people don't protect themselves, and by the way, protecting yourself is not being out of the market. That'll screw you. Protecting yourself right. is diversifying so that you can be in, not get lost, and when the crash happens, take advantage. Great. All right. So, I mean, the the book's just packed with, with strategies, techniques, and I like the fact that you just went over the gotchas, which is good, and Peter, because that was my other question, is just, um, um, you know, having um, a resource. But, um, you know, continuing on into the, into the psychology here, um, it's Chapter 9 that you talk about real wealth, and, um, you know, in knowing you and following you as long as I have, you know a lot of miserable billionaires. And, um, you know, yeah, and, and you also incorporated, I was, I was pretty interesting, interested, you had talked about heart math in the book as well. And, um, yeah, and you talked about, you know, some of the other, the tactics in the playbook, and you even included uh, an email address for people to share their state in the book, which is pretty, yeah. pretty rare. But there was one thing, and I remember, um, uh, this is something that really affected Tim Ferriss, too is lost less and never as negative uh, drivers. So um, here's what my question is. is Now that you've written two financial books, you've interviewed the smartest financial minds alive, um, I'm curious um, as to whether or not there have been any new insights or patterns that you recognize in their process or their psychology, and what are the steps that you got to see um, with regards to wealth psychology with clarity? I mean, is there something that, that has been an aha, something profound that you've been noticing um, as you've been going down this journey uh, and writing this book? Well, there's, there's two sides to it um, uh, to address. I think that's a good question. Um, out of the billionaire group, 
you know, I asked every single one of them, what would you do if you couldn't give your money to your children, but only a set of principles or a portfolio? I got the most amazing answer. Yeah, but, that uh, is probably good. Probably the guy that affected the guy that affected me the most was this guy Ray Dalio, who many of your you know listeners may not even know who he is because he's not as famous to the general population because again you'd have five billion dollar net worth or be in government to give him your money. So you know he just he doesn't take money anymore. But he's the most successful. He's returned more money to investors than anyone in history. That's how strong he is. Just a genius. And when I was with him. You know, he and the other people, I noticed four things they had in common. They're like, he's a macro trader predicting what's happening in the world as a whole. There are some guys like Carl Icahn that, you know, he's going in and buying stock and trying to influence the managers, right? He's an activist investor. Uh, you know, um, uh, Sir John um, uh, Templeton, I interviewed before he died in 2008. I interviewed him three times. He's one of the greatest investors in the history of the world. His whole thing was investing maximum pessimism when there's blood in the streets, like the Rothschild talks about. So everybody was different. So how do you find something that your audience could use that I could use as kind of my checklist? And what I discovered was, even though they're all different, there were four elements that were universal amongst them. And they weren't just like things they were interested in or they tried to apply. They were obsessions. And one of them is so damn simple, it sounds boring, but it's good to know. They're all, number one, obsessed about losing. Now, that sounds simplistic. But 90% of investors are more, probably 95 are focused on how much am I going to earn, how do I get it. They understand that if you lose 50% in the market, it takes 100% get even. You had 100 grand, you lost 50%, that's 50,000. Now, if you grow 50%, you only have 75. you got to grow 100% more. That could take you a decade. So they all know they're going to be wrong, so they all develop asset allocation. So like the example I gave you with Ray Dalio, he gave me a portfolio that's made money. The exact portfolio is never revealed in his history. I just teased him, cajoled him, convinced him. He was a fan of my work. I said, listen, you're giving away half your net worth. You told me these wealth managers don't know shit. So people are getting screwed. Give me the goods. Tell me how you do this. And he did. So I teach all those. But you got to have asset allocation so that you don't lose. The second piece is, this is counterintuitive also. Most of us have been taught, no, no risk, no reward. If you want big rewards, take big risks. Taking big risks will guarantee you're going to be broke. Right, financially. You just don't do that. What these guys are addicted to, what they're obsessed by, is a term called asymmetrical risk-reward. Now, what does that mean? It means they're trying to take the least amount of risk to get the biggest asymmetrical upside. So I've worked, I've coached uh, Paul Tudor Jones, one of the top 10 financial traders in the history of the world, for now, what is it, 24 years. 24 years. He's not lost money in those 24 years. There's almost no one on earth in his category that can say that or demonstrate that. He has. And what's really interesting about Paul is that everything he does, if he's, if he's going to invest a dollar, he's trying to make five out of it. If he's wrong, he loses that dollar, he can risk another dollar. Now he's risked two. If he makes five, he's up major. He could be wrong four times out of five and still break even. That's how these guys make money. Richard Branson, I think you've met Richard, right? Richard is just like, he's a friend of mine, but Richard is will take the biggest risk with his life. But he does not take those risks investing in his business. His number one question he'll ask you in investing in business is how we protect the downside. And his asymmetrical risk reward is totally him. When he was building Virgin, he's going to compete with British Airlines for God's sake. There's gigantic risk there. And he realized it and he avoids risk. He negotiated for a year with Boeing because he realized his biggest risk is if he failed, the money he'd lose, it would become bankrupt over those jets. So he went there and negotiated for a year until he convinced them. 
that if he failed in the first two years, he could give back the plane at no loss to him or his credit. If he, after two years, if he failed, then he was stuck with it. But, you know, that's going to give him the running room. So what did he have? No downside, all upside. That's asymmetrical risk reward. I'll give you a fun example. Nichols. Kyle Bass, who's uh, famous for taking $30 million in 2008 of other people's money and converting it into $2 billion in two years during the worst economic time in history. How the hell did he do that? He never risked more than six cents to make a dollar. He bet against the real estate market, but he did it in a vehicle where he could be wrong 15 times and still make money. Well, he wasn't wrong 15 times. So when I asked him, how do you explain asymmetrical risk reward to like a child? He goes, you know, Tony, I asked myself that question with my son. So here's what I did. I sat around for a year and a half and asked myself, how can I show my son how to get a riskless return? I said, riskless return? He goes, that's right. Anybody you talk to has a stupid question that doesn't exist. But Tony, great. Leaders ask better questions. That's what you teach. And I asked a different question. I kept asking it until I found it. It's nickels. It's nickels. He said, that's right. A nickel is a riskless reward. If you invest in a nickel, it's worth a nickel. It's never going to be worth a nickel. It never goes down. And he said, here's the problem. He said, pennies used to be made out of copper. until so it cost more for the copper than it did to make the pennies than two or three times. So what he did was, he said, I looked at nickels and found out their melt value is 6.8 cents, right? So that means they're worth 37% or 30, yeah, 33, 34% more when you buy it. The day you buy it, it's already worth 35% more, and it doesn't go down in value, right? Because it's still worth a nickel. So he said, Tony, I looked at this and said, but I said, you can't, you can't legally melt money right now. They changed the law. So I don't need to. Those pennies that used to be full of copper are now full of tin. You know how much a penny that's got copper in its worth today? 100% more, two cents. He goes, Tony, the minute the government wakes up, it costs them 11 cents to make a nickel. If you want to know why your economy in this country is screwed up, you got a government that's 11 cents, they make five. This is the way they think. He said, they're going to wake up just like they did at pennies, and when they do, they'll take the nickel out of it, put tin or something else in it. And he said, all the original ones will be worth 100% more, 150% more of He goes, if I could push a button, he called the Fed and had him send him all the nickels he could buy. He bought 20 million nickels. And he said to me, if I could push a button and convert all my assets into nickels tomorrow, I'd do it. So that's asymmetrical risk reward. And then the last two are tax efficiency because most people, they listen to their broker. Someone tell them how much they made. But you, what you make is after fees and after taxes. And taxes is the biggest thing that will affect you. It's the biggest expense in your life. So we teach how to do that in the book. Because that makes a giant difference whether you get financially independent or not. And then finally, you've got to diversify. Everybody knows that. But you got to diversify across assets, across markets, across timelines. And again, those four are kind of the ultimate checklist. To answer your other questions, you know, I've met, you know, 50 billionaires. i got more than that now. But I would not say the majority are happy. And so money doesn't make you happy. Money makes you more of what you are. If you're an angry person, you'll have more to be angry with. If you're a giving, loving person, you'll have more than loving, giving with. It does not change people. That is totally absurd. It magnifies. So what, what you really have to do is not realize money's not going to do it. It's great to have money and resources. It's kind of like portable power. You can help friends, family, people you don't even know with it. But you've got to understand that the human brain, again, it's, it's not designed to make you happy. It's looking for what's wrong. It's trying to make you survive. And if you let it, you'll always be stressed. No matter how much money you have, because it'll worry, what do people think of me? Or do I have enough money? Or will the IRS come? That's the nature of human beings. So 
in the book, I do a whole chapter on the tools I've learned to break those patterns so you get happier and happier so that your survival brain isn't running you anymore. Because if you've got a billion dollars and you still let that survival brain run you, I, I know billionaires are stressed every day. I know a man. I had a conversation with him just about two weeks ago, and I said, look, you're a dear friend. I've coached you for years. What is this shit of screaming and fighting with your wife and kids for spending money? The multi-billionaire. You couldn't, if you spend a million dollars a day for your entire life, you couldn't even come close to spending a portion of your wealth. I mean, this makes them happy. What are you doing? Because he's still living in survival as if, you know, he was still back in the place he was when he started his career. So being free, experiencing joy, happiness, love, living in a beautiful state, that's rich. That's wealth. And if you do that and you make money because you know what the book teaches you, now you got the world by the tail. Mike, Very I'm nice. so sorry, but I got another interview that starts like in two minutes. <laughs> or actually started no a minute ago, but I got to get it there. Is, this, is there hey, any no. final question you want to ask me, buddy? No, I'll, well, I'll have one other one, which was I was going to ask you about uh, integrating philanthropy in the business because you're giving away uh, the money yeah. for the book. Well, let, but, me, let me just um, touch on that for one minute then. Let me just touch on one yeah. minute. I, I have found that the beautiful thing about human beings, the reason I'm proud to be human, is we'll do more for others that we care for than we'll ever do for ourselves. It's like you only work so hard to take care of yourself, and it's not that hard, right? And it's like, you know, food, basic fundamentals are there. You want some gold. You know, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many people, you know, like you. I don't care what's happened in your life. If you personally don't feel like you're growing, you're, you're dying inside. If you don't feel like you're giving something beyond yourself, we feel selfish eventually. Even selfish people eventually feel selfish. They feel guilty or sad or frustrated or get mad at themselves. And then often they externalize it to other people. But the truth is we're made to grow and we're made to give. And if you're not growing, you're dying financially. If your relationship's not growing, it's dying. If you're not becoming stronger physically and healthy, you're starting to break down and die. That's true of every aspect of life. But the reason I believe we grow, the reason growing makes itself so happy, like progress equals happiness, is because when we make progress, when we grow, we have something really legitimate to give. I mean, you think about most of us, when something great happens in your life, what's the first thing you want to do? Share with somebody that you love, because it magnifies. The purpose of a relationship is the magnification of human emotion. So if you want to magnify life, and you want to magnify it in a good way, then the really simple thing is learning to take back control of your mind and have the riches that you want today while you're building financial wealth as well. And I, I got to tell you, I have more excitement about feeding. You know, these are my goals now in my life. Unfortunately, you're totally set financially wealthy. But what's really cool is when I set this goal, I, I've been feeding people since I was 17. My family fed me when I was 11. And it, I never forgot it. So I've been two families, four, then a million, then two million. I got it up to where I was feeding two million people a year through my foundation, and then I matched. I provided two million euros myself to my wife and I. So it's four million a year. And then I write this book, the first book here, Money Master the Game, and I'm interviewing all these billionaires, self-made billionaires. And I'm thinking to myself, while they're being a billionaire, you've got Congress cutting food stamps for the poorest Americans, and they cut it by $6.9 billion, which means anybody that needs help who is getting it, has to give up a week of food for their family every month with no support unless the private sector jumps in. And so I've fed 42 million people in my life, so I thought, what if I said 50 million in a year? And I got excited. Then it was 100 million. So now, as I told you, it's 200 million in the last two years. I'm going to feed a billion in the next eight years overall. But I'm also providing, you know, water for 250,000 people a day in India because the biggest killer of children there, I went there, is waterborne disease. It's so easy to solve, you know. I'm part of the X Prize. We're providing, you know, one in seven Americans, one in seven humans, 
uh, is illiterate. You know, 250 million children are illiterate. We'll never have enough teachers. So I teamed up with Elon Musk. We put a $15 billion prize together between us and a couple other people. And we have, what, 300 teams competing to teach someone how to read, write, do arithmetic on their own with no teacher for an iPad. And the winning team gets the $15 billion, But then the content is open source and everyone in the world can do it. Nothing excites me more than this. I was just, uh, I won't say where because it's private, but I just went to a really rough part of the world two months ago, two weeks ago. And I'm part of Underground Railroad. You've got a former CIA, FBI, and Special Forces guys that, you know, there's more slavery in the country, in the world today than any time in history. Part of this population. But sexual slavery, any form of slavery drives me crazy. So I provide, you know, a significant amount of money, time, and energy. But then I also have gone out with these guys. And we just went to a particular island nation and rescued 36 girls from age 9 to 13 that have been sexual slavery, some of them five years or more. Returned that ne- that next day, about a third of them their family, some of their families sold them, as you can imagine. We're helping integrate them all. It's the biggest bust in history. We got 13 of the biggest perpetrators in the country knocked out. So this stuff excites me much more than can I get another freaking car or boat or, you know what I mean? Come on. You know, those things are beautiful things if you've never had them. And even when you get them, they're good until they get a scratch. But to change a life, to connect with somebody, to do anything so easy. A small amount of money can make a gigantic difference. Well, anyone listening, if you get the book, I'm going to feed 50, you know, 50 families from each book. But if you want to join me, anyone who wants to get a bit bold, I will match any amount you get from $10 to $5 million I'll match. Anybody listening, and all you got to do is go to feedingamerica.org and go to the 100 million more, it's called, or Tony Robbins, you look me under there, and if you donate there, I'll match your donation. So you can get started if you want right away. Awesome. This is great, Tony. Well, um, I know you got to head out, but thank you. Once again, it's great uh, having at least a little bit of time to catch up and chat again. So let's uh, let's connect soon, all right? All right, brother. I hope I see you in New York. Just reach out yeah, to my absolutely. team, and you're, of course, you and your lady, anybody you want to bring as your guest, your family. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Okay? All right, brother. Talk you got it. Mind. Bye-bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did doing it. Now, the best way you can help yourself and help Tony reach his goal of providing a billion meals is to head to www.unshakable.com. And one more time, that is U-N-S-H-A-K-A-B-L-E.com. I spell it because I misspelled it the first time. There you can get his book. And once you order, you can get the personal coaching program and ultimate edge program, which is valued at $299 for free. And no matter what, we're still going to be giving away those two tickets to Tony's upcoming Unleash the Power Within or UPW event. No purchase necessary. And I'm going to randomly pick someone at the end of this month to receive them. All you have to do to qualify is like, comment, and share a link to this post. Please do that right now. I know Tony really, really appreciates it. So to wrap this up, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story about how I met Tony Robbins and wound up working with him. Here's how that story goes. What I left out is I had gone home that night in St. Paul, Minnesota after spending an evening with a good friend of mine who had gone through a similar transformation after going through Tony's programs. When I knew this guy, he was an alcoholic, um, really struggling with big parts of his life. He went through Tony program and within a year, he had quit his job, written a book, become a best-selling author, and he started training all over the world. He became one of the leading Photoshop trainers in the world. His name is Ben Wilmore, by the way. Good friend. Now, 
when uh, he told me about this and took me out for dinner in a brand new car he had paid for in cash, I'm like, hey, what the heck had you done, Ben, to make this happen? He told me his story. So that's when I vowed to myself, even though I was a quarter million in the hole, going through a really rough time, I was paying my employees with credit card checks. That's back before I even knew that kiting credit card checks was illegal. But um, anyway, what wound up happening is I uh, walked in to uh, the apartment that I was living at at the time, opened up my mailbox, and inside was a brand new credit card with an $8,500 limit on it because I was maxed. I was buying my credit card or buying my food on credit cards at a Super America gas station on 7th Street in St. Paul. Anyway, I walk upstairs. I had vowed to myself, next time I see that goofball on TV, Tony Robbins with the big teeth, I'm going to buy his stuff. So here I'm equipped with some money. My cable hadn't been shut off. It's like 2 in the morning. Um, I turn on the TV, and guess who's on TV? I swear to God, my channel was on, and an infomercial was playing. I said, well, I made a promise to myself, so I picked up the phone, placed the order for the program, had it rush delivered. At the time, it probably cost like 200 bucks or whatever. And uh, two days later, I was listening to, to uh, recording number one on the first disc, and I felt like Tony was speaking directly to me. So, uh, inside that box was a coupon good for $500 off a Tony Robbins event. I picked up the phone. The guy on the other end is a guy named Chris Hendrickson. This will mean more to you in a couple moments. But he said, hey, I'm your personal account representative. I'll get you hooked up. And I explained to him what had gone on. I told him I was desperate and I needed some real help. And I thought Tony could help me. And he said... Look, uh, his next event is completely filled up, but someone just, I just got off the phone. They just canceled and they have a spare ticket. I can hook you up. So I, I signed up for something called Life Mastery. It cost me like seven grand to buy the tickets. And then when I ended up getting a hotel with some roommates and my ticket out, my $8,500 was racked up. So basically I spent money when I didn't have any resources. And um, couple weeks later here I am at this event people are jumping up and down and hugging and uh, I'm like this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life but as soon as I saw Tony and listened to him and saw what he did with people I was sold and uh, a couple days later I decided I was gonna jump up and down and scream and shout like everyone else and I actually changed I actually felt better I didn't grow up in an environment where we were jumping up and down and hugging was part of my culture at all uh, but um, Either way, after about a week of this, and that's how long the event was at the time, I walked out with a life plan for the first time in my life and a real good idea of what I needed and wanted to do. So I went home, got to work, changed the way I thought, and uh, within a year, I was in the process of selling my business uh, to an advertising agency called Campbell Methune, which is owned by the Interpublic Group, a billion-dollar-a-year uh, business. So um, I got paid to go away, and from there, my life definitely changed. I had money for the first time in my life. Um, I bought a boat. I lived on it. I eventually met my wife on a trip to Greece. And when we got married, my wife and I decided to move, and we decided on San Diego, where Tony Robbins was based. The very first person I called was my personal account representative, Chris Hendrickson, who by then I had a relationship with. And he said, normally he doesn't meet with clients, but I was different. So it was him, his wife, Pam Hendrickson, my wife, Vivian, and I got together. And it turned out Pam had been responsible for producing almost all of Tony Robbins' products and also working on his infomercials and uh, working at almost all of his events for almost 20 years. 
So at that point, it was like maybe 12 years or 13 years, maybe 14, whatever the number was. It was a lot. And Chris was the waiter. So if you've ever heard of Tony Robbins stories, Chris Hendrickson was this legendary figure from a lot of the old stories he used to tell on stage. We got along great. And over time, Pam watched me as I developed my online marketing business and what I was doing and how I created this program called Traffic Geyser and Instant Customer. But one day, Tony's business was going through a cycle. Like all businesses, we all go through cycles. And he knew he wasn't doing enough online with video and with his marketing. And Pam said, I know this guy is a good friend of mine and he'd meet with you. So she called me up and said, hey, would you meet with Tony and uh, help him with his... Uh, with his home studio and teach him a few things about marketing and video and I'm like hell no I hate that guy no I said absolutely that would be awesome so um, I got to meet Tony ended up going to his house setting up a studio and uh, we ended up talking and uh, we built this this great relationship and he said what can I do to repay you and I said you know honestly I, and I told him my story about how he had changed my life and he was blown away I said, let me think about it because I think there might be a way we can actually do something together. And the greatest gift I could ever have is have the opportunity to make something with you. That's, to me, the most intimate relationship in the world is when you get to create together. So I went home and I wrote a business plan that I eventually put in front of Tony. And one of them was to create a program called Money Masters. I said, I know every one of the best online marketers in the world and you should meet them. And he said, that sounds like a great idea. And I said, and you should record and interview all of them because I guarantee you every one of your customers needs to be marketing themselves online. And he said, I think that's really true. And I said, and the other thing is, these guys will help you launch some of your products. He said, great idea. So, and I had given him a couple other thoughts as well, but that one was the one that showed up on top. So I called up Frank Kern, I called up Brendan Burchard, I called up Mike Filsame, Russell Brunson, Jeff Walker, all these guys who were legends in, in the market. John Reese was another one. And uh, from there, we all got together at Tony's office. He asked a bunch of questions. And by the time the meeting was over, Tony was like, let's do something together. Together, we ended up uh, helping Tony with a couple of launches, and that eventually turned into a program called Money Masters. And um, well, all of us got to be stars in that product. Well, as you can see, if you've noticed Russell Brunson, for example, or Frank with his relationship with uh, um, Tony or Brendan Burchard, a lot of these guys have since gone on to do other things with him as well. So um, that's my story. But at the end of the day, here's what's important. This is the big walk away that Tony told me back when we were sitting down at his house in Palm Springs, Palm Desert at the time. He said, Mike, if you sit down and look at the top five people you spend your time with, you add their incomes together and you divide by five, that's probably what you make. He said, Mike, proximity is power. And uh, that is something that's always, always, always stayed within me because you are who you spend your time with. And look, it's not about the money. It's never about the money. But money is energy. It is time. It is time compression. So your ability to amplify and multiply and gain leverage and get financial freedom in your life is what Tony Robbins is all about. I happen to think he's one of the most remarkable human beings I've ever come in contact with, and he is a once-in-a-millennium kind of guy. Um, and uh, what I would highly recommend is if you ever, ever get a chance to go to one of his events, because, look, Tony's not going to continue going out there and being out there live like he is all that much longer. 
he's looking at uh, ways he can also make a bigger impact and more people in different ways as well, definitely go to one of his live events. But in the meantime, get your hands on this book, Unshakable, and even go get his other book on money as well. He spent time with the smartest, most successful financial minds this world has ever seen. You literally get access to millennia worth of information and knowledge all in one place. And I think Tony is one of the best integrators I've ever met. So I hope you've enjoyed this interview. And there's one other thing that I completely forgot about. But when you get Tony's book, I'd also like to give you my latest best-selling book as well. It's called Money Phone. You can get the book for free and a training video. And I'll show you how to turn your mobile phone into a money-making marketing machine by closing deals, even if you don't have a list. So you can get my book and that training video completely free of charge by visiting www.gomoneyphone.com. Well, I've really enjoyed spending some time with you. I hope you enjoyed this as well. Looking forward to meeting you in person sometime, maybe at one of my events as well. This is Mike Koenigs from You Everywhere Now. Make it a great day. I'll see you soon.